0: We joked that maybe in the future when people come up to learn how to delay, we say, all right, you go stand in that corner and you hold this tennis racket. Welcome to Clock Counter. I'm James Wiseman and with me is Ryan Young. So Ryan, describe where we are right now. So we're in James's server
1: room that's tiny in his house. And we're not only is it 100 degrees in here, we have a blanket over the top of us to try and reduce the reverb in this echoey cavern we're in.
0: (laughs) So the audio quality is not so good. Sorry. This is a bit of our pre world's emergency pod. And like Ryan said, we're not in the ideal circumstances because Ryan is very sensitive to the acoustics of my house, which believe it or not, was not built for podcasting, but I had to drag you to do a podcast today, which is a reverse of the usual situation because I think it's interesting to have the pre-Worlds podcast. So we leave tomorrow morning for Medellin, Colombia. This is the first time I think ever, not only am I with my team in the days immediately before Worlds, but we're all flying on the same planes together. We've been prepping really for a week or two. Daniel was here. We were both doing two-a-days. You were practicing with Ryan, I was practicing with Daniel, and then we were practicing for co-op. But I guess my first question for you is, how are you feeling pre-Worlds? I feel very prepared, but maybe over-practiced. Interesting. There is definitely a thing where if you practice the routine too much, you start to lose the joy in it. I was actually telling Will the other day, you have to remember that everyone else is seeing the routine for the first time. So in theory, it should be really exciting for them and that should invigorate you but it can definitely start to feel a little old hat when you practice a routine a few too many times. But this has been an interesting year. I mean, even though I was pretty down on competing at all this year, I probably had more practice time with my teams than ever before. I mean, Ilka came for a month. You, me, and Will just practiced pretty hard for a couple weeks. And Dan and I, I think, had a week a long time ago and a week here. So I got my fair share of practicing for my last worlds. But I think I'm actually having that feeling. I think some people have when they're terminally ill or they're very old. I'm just like, I'm ready to die. Like I, <laughs> I'm at peace with the worlds. I'm actually getting, I think, really genuinely excited for worlds. I think because it's the last one that I'm planning and I can just already feel the relaxation of knowing that I'm done at least for a while. So I'm pretty pretty fired up about that. And then one other random thought I have is I think every year, and this is kind of how I have known it's been time to hang it up competition-wise, it's taking me longer and longer to get motivated for Worlds. So I think back in the day, like 2011 Worlds ends, and a minute later, I'm like, next year, I'm going to come <laughs> back. I'm going to be so fired up. I'm going to practice so hard. I'm going to go out there and crush in the last few years, it's more like, oh, man, Worlds is in seven days. Like, I better get ready somehow. Like, I'm, like, trying to find the right whatever, just eye of the tiger to get out there and get fired up. And I was really nervous this year. I just wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, it really has been just a linear process of every year. It's just a little bit harder to get, get up for it. But this last week with you, Will, and Daniel all stay in my house. My house has been a full house, and it really... It got me fired up. I felt bad. I over-practiced you, just as you said. Like, you were you were starting to get a little bit, like, do we really need to keep playing? But I was getting excited, and I, I'm excited to do the routines.
1: Yeah. One of the problems is it's 100 degrees in your server room, but it's
0: 120 degrees <laughs> in the practice space. I don't know. You know how I'm full of knowledge today. You know how in Dune they get the best soldiers from the prison planet because they just survive in such world I I feel superhuman. I, I don't know I think I called you a weakling the other day <laughs> because I couldn't believe you were so worn down by the room. I think I'm just used to it. I mean Jake and Lori were here, they called it the sweat factory. But I just come to embrace it. I love the feeling of walking into that room and just that heat overwhelming <laughs> you because you don't have to like warm up. You're already, you just walk in, The body's <laughs> warm. Where I actually really struggled is today when we jammed at Duke, it was really hot and really sunny. And we were out there for several hours because we were recruiting, which we'll, we'll come back to soon. But how do you feel like your practices went with Will and then with me and Will for co-op?
1: I thought they were very smooth. Like we played on a lot of our synergies and our experience and we're like, okay, let's build the routine, the comfort routine. And it's made it easy. And we got to the easy point really quickly.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely the last few days when we've just done run throughs, it's been really comfortable, like stress levels are really low other than you being a little overheated, which is understandable. Um, What I've been really excited about is we first built the routine with Will very quickly and that's when i was definitely super low motivation but we built it right around virginia which was april and like a lot of times when you're playing as a newer player we built a lot of stuff in the routine that was hopefully we'll we'll learn how to do this by the time worlds comes around and a lot of times when you do that nobody learns what they're supposed to learn we're all overly optimistic about how quickly we can learn things and i do it too for sure all the time like i'm gonna have this by worlds and then next thing you know it's worlds and you don't have it but Will has gotten so much better since we built the routine and all the pain points now feel pretty comfortable with him. The only thing I felt a little bad about is there's, I remember the the worst feeling when you're building a routine is when you have to set it to someone and they're giving you like a thousand instructions for how to set it. (laughs) And I think I've talked about on the podcast before, usually I'm of the opinion that That's a problem with the person who needs the set. And you just have to say, look, if the move needs a set that's that specific and we're not getting it consistently, like we need to drop it. And (laughs) it might be my fault as the setter, that's fine. But it's not worth a routine to be that complicated. But Will, you have to remember he's so new that we were basically just working on like we just need you to set these quick catches (laughs) for Ryan. But we were asking so much because we want them timed in a particular way. It's a multiple dish routine. And, like, the stakes were a little higher than just a quick catch. We were just like, yeah, the angle's at, like, 17 degrees. Can we get it closer to 18.5? I and mean, we were really harping on him to get it just exactly right. But he picks things up really quickly. Another funny thing was Will says that Ryan and I tell him the same thing 90% of the time. But there's a 10% of the time where Ryan tells us something and I tell him something else. And he has to navigate who does he agree with there. But hopefully he's had a, a good experience. What do you think? I think so, yeah. The only catch is we've been so privileged in a way that I don't think will be common in his freestyle career, <clears throat> except to the extent he's playing with lots of dude people. Because we were telling him, it's so rare to have this much time to play, the, the built-in space to go practice in, and just...
1: If we were paid pros, this would be the experience we would have.
0: Yeah, like, in Dota, they boot camp, right? You mm-hmm. just go, you live in a house for a month, and you practice every day. Now, we're not that extreme, but, like, we basically just had a week and a half to practice here, and it was much more relaxed, and it was fun because I think everyone got better. I feel like I learned things. Like, there were things on the routine that were hard for me that now feel a lot easier. Now, we should be careful because the biggest fear I have about this world is obviously the stakes are high. It's my last world's... And they moved it inside, which on the one hand is good for me because I've said before, I think like outdoors just increases variance. So lower skilled players can compete. This is my theory anyway. Some people might not agree, but I think lower skilled players have a better chance of winning in a high variance environment. I think that's common across sports though, right? Yep. Like they say, I think in basketball, like if you're the lower skilled team, you try to minimize the number of possessions. Because if there's 30 possessions, you have a reasonable chance within that variance of winning. But if there's 150, the better team will eventually beat you. So there's something about when it's outside that like crazier things can happen. And believe me, I took full advantage of that in my first few years as a freestyler. So on the one hand, I'm like, great, indoors, I know we'll hit our routines a lot better. Feel coming, But also it raises the stakes that much higher. I can't just be like, look, like the wind was bad and it it doesn't happen. But that's where my peace is kind of coming out. Like no matter what happens, win or lose, this is over. And I just get to look into the future and the world will forget whether I won 2023 very quickly. I can see that. Yeah, but it's pretty. We should talk a minute about that. So one thing that was a little bit of a bummer is we practiced every day outside and it it's so hot here and like Jane and I try to play one morning where the grass is like wet and we're sliding around. And then as soon as Daniel flies home, he texts me saying finals is indoors. And it's like, Oh man, we could have just been practicing indoors the whole time. But I guess in Colombia they weren't able to secure the field for the finals day. So it's supposedly going to be indoors, which look like I'm always kind of in favor of for a lot of reasons that I think are different than people expect. Like, I think it's easier for us to do the judging system. It's easier to have good Wi-Fi and a good live stream. Mm-hmm. And like, I get to, I get the argument of like freestyle, sort of like a, a sort of like freestyle is a sport and just like any sport, it's supposed to be challenging and the people who overcome those challenges should win. And the wind is one of those challenges and playing outside is one of those challenges. I totally get that. But the audience art part of me is like, I'd rather just see good routines. So <laughs> I know when we're inside, that we're going to see some really great routines and that gets me really excited about this year.
1: Mm -hmm. Also we can practice in the conditions.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were talking, it's fun playing with Will because he asks lots of questions because he's new and he just reminds me lots of things I haven't thought about in a while, but he was sort of asking about indoors, outdoors, beach. And I sort of said something like, you know, like the beach is a great place to play. It would be a really cool place to do worlds but there's kind of a couple problems. One, if the wind is coming from the land, it's a no go I mean, there's, the beach has really high potential that you just cannot play under any circumstances. It also has some tide problems. Like you're limited to when the tide is available and there's a lot more pressure on making sure the tournament runs smoothly versus like inside you can move things around and it's not such a big deal. But the other thing that's interesting about the beach, right, is you don't know if it's gonna be a perfect five mile per hour wind 10 mile per hour wind, 15, 20, 25. It's so like, even though the beach has a high range of perfect winds, the different wind conditions you may have would dictate very different routines. I mean, if it's a 25 mile per hour wind, it might be a, that's a lot people who think they can do that. Unless your name is Jake Othier, like 25 is too high, but like, let's say it's a perfect 16 mile per hour wind. That's still very challenging. Like the routine you would build for sixteen miles per hour is not the routine you'd build for build for yeah. five. And, like, there would be no universally compatible routine. Like, whatever you built would be in a really bad situation if the win wasn't what you expected. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, I wonder, like, what do you think would happen if the sport took off and there's millions of people playing and there's lots of monies at stake? Would it be, it's just indoors? Or would it be, like, here the... There'd be those...
1: two. There'd be two. There'd be a beach worlds and a indoor world. Do you think there'd
0: be just beach and indoors and there wouldn't even be a outdoor meadow grass worlds i would think yeah i it's hard to
1: say it's like what do i want versus what i think would happen but i would want it to be the extremes so like you want the perfect freestyle you go in stores and you want like the best wind and the craziest things you can do
0: that yeah. makes sense it'd be really interesting to know how people repair because i do think if it was super professionalized and there's lots of money at stake you would go out there with four routines and you'd be like, I have a routine for all the different beach conditions I might have. Or you would re... I'm kind of assuming for now that it's a similar system that we do now. Or like the beach worlds would be a totally different kind of competition. That maybe it is somehow more like spontaneous. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Would it wouldn't be routine based. Yeah, it would be a different kind of way of judging it, which would be pretty cool. That definitely makes a lot of sense to me. And is something I want to think about more. I do, I do kind of like the idea of an indoor and outdoor, whatever. It's tough cause there's too many world titles already, but I'm almost interested in, this is a crazy idea. This is like me just getting content here. So like, don't take me seriously here. I don't really mean this. But like, I always think we should just move to a tennis golf model where we just have majors, which is how freestyle started. And it's just like, there's three majors a year and they're indoor, outdoor.
1: Beach or whatever. I see, but the title world champion is so understandable by
0: everyone. That's yeah. true, and it's obviously has lots of value in different ways for different people. So, I and mean, that's why I don't really believe it. But I do think our sport lends itself t- to a major system because there are these different conditions you play in. Because, like for instance, I do think I would be really. I think I would still be really good at competing. Like, what <laughs> bothers me is when I think people think I favor indoors because I think, like, I'm an indoor player, but I play indoor 4% of the time, and I play outside 96% of the time, like, I'm like everybody else, like, until I moved to this house, I had never had an indoor place to play, I grew up in, my freestyle life was in New York City, believe me, there was never a place to play indoors, and every single time I had an indoor space, I made a video, so yeah, there's like, 20 videos of me (laughs) freestyling indoors but that was the 20 times i had indoor space to play in um so you would still go for the grand slam yeah absolutely (laughs) i would be i'd be thrilled to be i mean i think what would also make me happier about is what you said where like there's different competitive formats and the different kinds of environments because i do think the routine based competition is so troubling in bad conditions which is how it often is And there's also kind of a side part of all this, which is we tend to have our biggest tournaments in major cities, in places that we can book that are not ideal playing conditions. Mm -hmm. So like our field at Duke has pretty good wind. Why? Because it's a huge, long field where the wind can mellow out. But there aren't a lot of giant fields in the world that you can... There's lots of giant fields that you can play in. Templehof, Shoot Meadow, Duke's Campus. You can't rent those spaces out, and a lot of times we end up in like stadiums, which have terrible wind, or wherever, bad grass, all kinds of bad conditions. So it's just too bad that it's hard to have everything we want. It's hard to have good conditions, but be in a major city, be at a place where people can go there and watch the event. But you know, we. Do a great job with what we have, so I'm not really like complaining. But in my, you know, heart of hearts, there's all kinds of cool things I would love to see from worlds competition. So let's talk about like world's prep and mindset. Like, do you get nervous before you compete? I think it's changed over the years.
1: I'm guessing it's the same for you. Like in the very, very beginning when I was a new player, I would be so nervous it would affect my play. And then it became, it became nervous. And I was like, it would focus me. And now I have a hard time getting nervous. So that's interesting.
0: I always have a slightly inverted track. So I think when I first started, I was never nervous. I was like, no one expects anything from me. And it was very exciting because I knew I'd go out there and I'd overperform people's expectations of me. And that was amazing. And then you hit a sweet spot where you're now really competing to win but you're not the favorite or whatever. And so your nerves can get really high, but I like how you put it, like it can focus you. So I know there's psychological research. I don't know what category, like what you call this idea. This idea that like the perfect state, I guess some of this isn't like flow state research we talked about before, but the perfect state is when high stress meets high skill and like other variations are worse. So worst version is high stress, low skill terrible situation. <laughs> you will underperform when that happens. Low stress, low skill, boring, mm-hmm. but not really important, who cares about that? But you also usually overperform. High stress, I missed one here, but like high stress, high skill, that's the sweet spot. That's when people usually overperform and have the most fulfilling experience. So that's great. That was probably like the 2017 2017 2018 range. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little bit trickier because I feel like I think it I'm so much more honest now. I feel like now that we've done the podcast so much like I just feel like I can only lose. Like there's no good outcome for me. Like I win, nobody cares. I lose, it's sort of like, haha, like you lost. We beat you. I think that's very
1: common. Like that's what Magnus Carlson says, the best chess player ever.
0: Yeah, I truly hate it. I mean, competing is such a bummer. And like I hate to even Admitted because it really is like kind of fixed mindset, you know. It's sort of like I should just find a way, Michael to, Jordan style, yeah, just overcome that. And like, what it's interesting, like, Michael Jordan overcame it by like painting himself as the underdog. Like <laughs> he always like convinced himself that everyone was after him and no one believed in him. And like, that's certainly a technique that you can use, but it's not really within my personality. But I don't know, like, that's the part that I have the biggest mixed feeling about of not competing anymore, which is something like is there a fixed mindset coming here where it's like I've already got everything I could want and so now, I'll, now I'm like afraid of losing it but on the other hand it's sort of like well what's the point after a certain point to keep going and like for instance the thing that fired me up today was when we were recruiting at Duke <laughs> which we'll talk about but like I was in such a grumpy mood the last week even though I was having a good time practicing all things considered like I was sort of in that mode of like why do I put myself through this every year but then when we go out and recruit a Duke, I just think, this is amazing. Like, this is super awesome. Like, when, like, we'll talk about it. When that guy was just delaying it, it's like, <laughs> man, that's a good feeling. But I do think that in some ways has affected me in competition. Like, there's been a couple rounds recently where people were like, you looked a little bit shook and scared, which I was funny because the time I heard that the most was the time I didn't really feel that way. But like, I definitely have felt that way recently. But there's one other aspect of it which I wonder if you've experienced as well, where no matter how I feel, once it starts, I'm fine. Like, I'm totally fine and not stressed. Like,
1: when the, the round routine? starts, yeah. No, I am I feel it the
0: whole time, and it's a good thing now. See, so because I, I was thinking about this yesterday. I can't remember what we were talking about where it came out, but I think one thing that's nice about other sports is the games are long. So you have time to find your comfort zone Mm -hmm. whereas freestyle is three minutes it just started if you can't get comfortable really quickly you're out of luck and generally as soon as I get the first catch I'm good I'm I'm sure I've dropped the first one a few times but I don't really remember that happening in a long time like that I think would shake me if you have a really tough start it's can be hard to recover from that like generally once we're in the routine I'm like great And that's also where I think routine practice like we've done, which, again, is so rare, I think pays off so much because once we get started, I don't have to do any thinking. It's just like I just do what I'm supposed to do in the routine. Now, there's some decision making, obviously, but a lot of it is the Paul Kenny adage. I don't know if I said the word right, but like trust the routine. Mm -hmm. And like that's what we get to do. And that is, like, one of the nice things about being, like, a favorite. is just, like, just trust the routine. It is capable of winning. So you don't have to try to cheat, which is another topic. You know what? I feel like sometimes people build the routine, but everyone's got their own little secret agenda on the back of their head. They're like, well, once the routine starts, I know I'm supposed to go for X at this point, but I'm actually going to go for something else. And I can go both ways. Sometimes you're going to try to do something harder than you're supposed to do. And sometimes you're gonna go safer. It kind of depends on the context. But I think this year, especially, I feel like no, like everyone knows what we're trying to do. There's probably a couple of places I'm gonna to have to be like Daniel, just please, just do it the way we planned it. Which I always say, because Daniel, to his credit, always wants to like really get that last percentage point out of everything. I'm like, no, 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 like give up that. Let's go at 99% for a 30% safer combination and leave that last percent. But other than that, I feel like we just get to go in there. We do our moves. There's nothing like too scary that I have to try to hit and that's it. Yeah. I have the doubles. That's always the scariest part for me, but. But yeah. we, that's where like <laughs> when we were practicing, if you was anyone other than you, I'd just be like, Hey, you don't need to do it, but I know you'll make the right decision either way. So it doesn't really matter. Like, luckily, I think pretty much all my partners this year are very just comfortable with talking about what we we can and can't do and what's comfortable and not comfortable. I will say one thing that's also kind of special, I was trying to think of how to make it the most perfect narrative. It's not totally perfect, but I'm playing with my first freestyle partner and like my true, like, even though I think me and you are obviously going to be tied forever in freestyle, like me and Daniel are going to be tied forever no matter what. So I'm playing with Daniel and that obviously has a lot of meaning. We have not played pairs in Worlds since 2011. It's like 12 Mm -hmm. years ago. And then I'm playing with you. Obviously, we've had a long history together. I'm playing with Will who's the start of the next generation. The start (laughs) of the next generation. And I'm playing with Ilka and Ilka's the hardest one to put in a category. Obviously, Ilka and I are very close but we're not tied or anything. But I'm putting her as like I'm playing with my former enemy, Ilka, which which is a gross overstatement. But... I feel like, I've, as we talked about when she was here, we had a little bit of a rocky start, but I feel like I've got my oldest friends, my closest friends, and my enemies who are now friends, and it's just like some, it's a special group of teams that I'm getting to play with. If there's anything maybe I regret is that I don't have like Paul Kenny involved somehow because he was a big part of my early freestyle world. It's going to be interesting when you keep competing, and I'm more off to the side, but I really like how I think you're thinking about competition going forward. And man, if there's anything that I'm worried I'm being fixed mindset about is if I was more comfortable doing what you're doing and just being like, I'm only going to play with new players. Mm-hmm. Like winning doesn't matter. Exactly. And I think I would like that, except no matter what I do, and sorry, if this sounds bad or arrogant or whatever, like no matter what I do, the expectation will be that we'll win. Because every time I think that i found the key... I mean, playing with Will was partially... Like, there's no stakes here. He's been playing for two years. But now that we're close, it's like, oh, actually, like, he's really good. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, like, we make him really good. And people are going to overestimate how good he is because of how he, like, fits in the routine. So, like, that part... If there was a way, like, I wish I could have a pin name in freestyle and just, like... Change my face so no one knows who I am, and just be like, I'm gonna restart. I also could imagine like ten years from now, and there's all these amazing players, and I'm completely forgotten. Coming back and trying to like recapture it, like that would be exciting. It's sort of like you're trying to beat the game. That's fun, but once you've beaten the game, it's like I'm just wandering around with all my armor and swords and stuff. <laughs> like, where, well, who am I supposed to fight now? Like, this isn't. It's not the same as getting it as it is having it. Mm -hmm. It's the climb that's fun. It's the climb that's fun. Okay, but anyways, on our last me, me, me topic today. So we were not very motivated to go freestyle. It was super hot, and we've been practicing a lot. But today was move-in day for the freshmen at Duke. So we went out there. You and Will were so hungry. I've been a terrible host, by the way. Usually I feel like I'm a better host, but... As you saw, it was a very stressful week of work, and I didn't have time to like properly take care of you guys. But today you guys were begging for food, and so we had to leave really early to go eat. 1pm is early. Well, here's what I mean. The jam was scheduled at 4.30, which is already too early. But then we went to go eat at 1, so we get to the field pretty early, and there are freshmen everywhere. But they're with their parents because they're moving in and like none of this ideal i should have said that i'm super bummed that worlds is during orientation week this is the prime time that we recruit new freestylers i practically begged my few contacts at medellin to move Worlds so that it wouldn't be at this time so that we could recruit because i do think it's actually that important like one freestyle i would cancel worlds for one (laughs) new freestyler in a heartbeat But so today is the only day that we're here during orientation week. And it's not, it's the worst day to be here because all the freshmen have lots of stuff to do. They're moving in. Like everyone was carrying boxes today, but we went out and freestyled and it was fun having you there because we were kind of debating, like, what's the right strategy? Like how should we play right now in a way that compels people to try it out and join us. But whatever we debated, what we did do because we were exhausted was super mellow freestyle. We were, You said a good term. You said, well, what did you say? Was it the speed limit? Yeah. We had a speed limit today. <laughs> so what did you, what did it mean to have the speed limit? So
1: if the disc is too far away and you're going to have to run, just let it drop and just
0: everything was super slow. Everything was super mellow. And I actually think, it was probably not ideal to do it that way. I do think there's value, which we talked about before, in having or demonstrating less skill to make it more approachable. But I think like we look a little bit boring today, and you even pointed out, which is so depressing when you said this. You were like, "Do you think anyone's walking by thinking those guys are having fun?" And I was like, "No, it doesn't. <laughs> it does not look like we're having fun right now." Um, but we kind of rallied, and then Will, when Will started playing with us, we had a big boost, and then when Brendan started playing with us, we had a big boost. We had about, we had like two people who we played a meaningful amount of time with and then two more people who at the very end were interested and we got their numbers and I think they'll come out. But there's one person in particular, um, I won't use this guy's name because I just, I don't know, someone disappears. I don't want their name around. But it was this guy came up and first things first, I spotted him two hours before it came up. I didn't say anything and I was like, that guy i also him. saw yeah so this was funny it. i said that to ryan and ryan was like no i had the exact same thought and part of it was he's wearing like a tie-dye shirt which i only say like i'm the least i'm like anti-tie-dye i'm anti all the like not there's anything wrong with it but it's just not me i'm not like hippie dippy freestyler person but like it wasn't that he was doing that i just like you could tell that this was a person i think this is common a lot of freestylers who was willing to stand out like not and in a way that's not like cool like just he was just like just look like a dude who's like, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm wearing my tie A shirt and khakis, and I see these guys playing frisbee, and I think it's cool. And whatever, he didn't come out at the beginning, and then, like, a couple hours later, he is walking at us with, like, so much intention. Just with a beeline and that, like, huge smile on his face. And he walks up, and he's like, all right, show-offs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and then, I actually, it's funny, because I said, oh, you want to try it? But I felt bad for a second, because I thought it sounded, like, aggressive, like, oh, you think you can do better? But I was obviously like, no, no, like, let me show you, let me show you. And he delayed it once where you guys weren't watching. And his delay was so good that I yelled at you guys. And I was like, guys, here's his second attempt at the delay. And it was like five seconds plus.
1: He centered it, re-centered it like three times.
0: It was incredible. And definitely by 30 seconds later, he was delaying it super comfortably. Now he was like chasing after the desk to keep it centered, which I love when people do because it's hard for me to show people how to do that because it's, so like when you first start, right, you're often like running around to keep the disc center. But I don't know how to demonstrate that. Like I'm incapable of like creating that ha- like chaos to do it. But he was doing it. And he was really delaying it. He easily had like several 10, 12 second delays. And then I was just like, let me throw you counter. Throw him counter. And actually it was even crazier than that. I, I was fascinated by this person. He goes, throw me anti-clock. <laughs> so first of all, I didn't have a concept of clock counter, but he said, like, I think I'm gonna be better at it. Like just in his head, he just believed he was better at <laughs> the other stand. And sure enough, I threw him counter and he had no problem delaying it counter. He also had no problem delaying it clock. And he said something really interesting, which made me think back about Brendan. He said when he plays tennis, when he's bored, apparently a lot of tennis players they just balance the racket on the handle and it makes sense that doing that would kind of mimic what you do with your hands with the delay. And then I asked Brendan, who was there, I said, Brendan, did you do that when you play tennis? And he's like, Yeah, all the time. So there might be we joked that maybe in the future when people come up to learn how to delay, we say, All right, you go stand in that corner and you hold this tennis racket for the next 30 <laughs> minutes and then come out and try it. But he he had all the right attributes. Like I feel like it's weird when I say this, but I, I consider myself like this. So I hope no one like takes it as anything other than that, but, like, I think a lot of freestylers, like, we're a little bit nerdy, and, like, we're a little bit of misfits, but we're also, like, comfortable with ourselves, like, I think that's, like, the sweet spot for a lot of freestylers, it's like, you're willing to stand outside the box and be a little bit different, and you're comfortable with that and, like, everybody else, and you don't, I mean, a lot of it's just, like, we don't worry that much about what other people think of us, otherwise, why would we be freestylers? It's, like, (laughs) the hardest thing to do and, like, care about what people think. Um, And this guy checked all his boxes, but he also checked, like, the box that I think, like, Will and Brendan, like, all the best players check, which is, he just wanted to learn, like, you know, I kept trying to hand it off to him, and then he would just take it and keep trying to throw it to himself, he's like, no, no, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get this, and he was even kind of like, I'm not ready to jam yet, like, just let me be over here (laughs) learning, and I'll be better next time, and... I could also see his, like the wheels turning in his brain where he was like, okay, that one had enough spin. He like figured out all the lingo really quick, like even without me saying anything. He's like, oh, like the spin was was there that time, but I didn't have the angle for the delay. Like he could see what was right and wrong. And I'm super optimistic he comes back and we'll see. And then I'll feel bad in five years when he listens to this podcast and he's like, oh man, like James is calling me out for my tie-dye shirt and being a little bit of a nerd, but like I think. Mean, I maybe it's I'm seeing myself in somebody else, and that's definitely how I felt like when I first felt freestyle. And he, you also is similar. It's hard to go on, but I just was. This really made my whole day. It was so cool. I think it. I think like he basically said. I mean, other than tennis, like he's not a sport person, but like something about frisbee obviously was incredibly attractive to him. And that's where I came from. Like I did not play sports. I didn't play a single sport in high school. The last sport I played before freestyle was seventh grade baseball like that's it so I went you know 12 to 18 without playing any sports but when I saw freestyle I was like that is what I want to do and I think he sort of had that he was just like man like whatever this is like I was joking I'll make it a little more pg but it's like it's a fetish like he just (laughs) is like I didn't know it but like that is what I'm into and it's great to have people like that and This is where I'm like so bummed we're going to Worlds. It's like every day at orientation week, there's like one person like that. And if we get one in five of those people every year, we're in such a good spot. Like he's my, I'm putting all my chips on him and I'm so sad about all the people we could have missed out on. Like Ron, you were kind of consoling me because I was talking about how even when we're jamming, it's like everything we do matters. Everyone is watching and like we do the right thing maybe they come play with us. If we do the wrong thing, we drop it at the wrong time. We're taking a water break at the wrong time, whatever it is. Like, like even we got lucky, like we only went out at four 30 today because that's when Brendan could play. But like, otherwise we would have gone out at six 30 and everyone would have been at dinner. So like just that simple thing of like there being an organized dinner at six thirty, we would not have potentially like two or three new players that we got today. And just because worlds is during Duke orientation week, There might be ten freestylers who never, (laughs) who don't exist because Worlds is at the wrong time.
1: I like when you said, "Is there a number one ranked player in like a mile radius of us right now? A future?" (laughs) I like
0: I'm basically certain of it. Like there is a (laughs) world champion freestyler walking around this quad right now. They don't even know, and they don't know it. And the question is, how do we get them to play? But I don't know, like, that just got me so fired up and I want st- us, I want to convince more people that that's where we need to be at right now. Like worlds is important. We need to keep things like worlds, but if everyone, instead of worlds, it's just every freestyler comes to do orientation week, <laughs> like think of how much more of an impact that would mean. There's kind of a thing like, I don't know, I don't have a good analogy for it, but it, what is winning competitions matter if there's no one there to care. And like, (laughs) that's where it's at if we don't spread freestyle. And that's where I think I do not want tournaments to be getting in the way of spreading the jam. Every time I leave for a tournament now, I'm so stressed about not being there for the Duke players that are learning. And like, that's on me. Like you keep telling me I need to relax about that and you're totally right. But I just worry. I mean, I know we could we could have more. We could have more freestylers if I did a little bit better. But I think life is long, so we're just going to keep doing it. And we were talking about today, like, what is it going to be like when we're at our 20th year? It's like, this is year 20. And you said, we'll be sitting in the chairs watching. And, like, that, to me, that's the dream. Just one day, we just get to stop by. and am like, oh, everything is running smoothly. Let's go. Let's go back and watch some TOTA. <laughs>
1: maybe that's like every new business owner has that dream it's like
0: the business is gonna be running great and we're just gonna relax i mean how did you feel of watching that one guy play i mean i think it's one of the first times because you really haven't been here that much when we've been actively recruiting. like recruiting new players I've, this is probably the fifth person i saw you do the
1: duke method with. yeah and it's even like the fifth most learning person i saw you teach is still, like, way beyond the anything else I've ever seen. So,
0: I mean, today, like, it's this is my joke, right? It's always Will Burner, like, oh, my God, it's the best we've ever had. But it's, like, we always say that because it always feels that way because it is shocking. But the number of people we get delaying immediately is so high. And that's not like, those people are out there. Like, people who, if we just get them a disc in the right way, are going to feel that feeling and be like, this is cool, I want to do it. And then, you know, even before we left it, I bought another 66 discs (laughs) just to have ready. My wife is probably not going to be super thrilled when another couple of giant boxes come from The Right Life, but we just got to keep giving them away. I'm hopeful, but we have more reinforcements this year. Even though we're gone, a lot of the upperclassmen come back on the 24th and I'm going to be bugging everybody to go out there and keep spreading, spreading freestyle. But okay, there's one other thing. You said another good point today. What did you call what we were doing today when we were worried no one was gonna come up?
1: I was calling it priming. Like how you have a million Coca-Cola
0: commercials on the TV or like why are those there? It's priming you. Exactly, so the idea being, and this is, I've talked about this before in the podcast, that a lot of times what we experience is the first few days we don't get a lot of people. So we actually did really well that on day one we got some people. But there's something about you see something enough and it kind of like normalizes it and makes it exciting. So like everyone there saw freestyle today. I mean, it's probably several hundred (laughs) 18 year old bright eyed students who are entering a new phase of their life where they can learn something totally new and like build new habits and new relationships. And all those people saw freestyle, which I think is super valuable in and of itself, but it often pays dividends later. And I was also thinking how it's really powerful. I think that not only a lot of people see freestyle, they saw us teaching other people freestyle mm-hmm. so they know when they have time and they have a minute, they can stop and say, like, hey, how do I do this? Because they know... you a paid actor, it's like,
1: <laughs> learning freestyle every 10 minutes. Like, Margaret should come out every year and we just, like,
0: teach her how to freestyle. <laughs> yeah. And we were also joking about signs we could have. I My favorite sign idea, personally, was we just wanted to have a sign that just said, help us. <laughs> so that when we are playing there, like, people know, like, okay, they want us... They want us to join because, like, I think the most interesting part about our debate, which we should like talk about sometime, is do we want to look good and like really skilled, or do we want to look approachable? Uh, my vote is approachable. I see. I'm, I'm like the boss who says do more with less. I'm like we need to do both somehow. <laughs> and like my theory on when we've been most successful recruiting, I think the number one thing is looking like we're having fun. Which is funny for me to say it that way, but I'm in mean, your presence, so I feel like talk about how freestyle isn't always fun for you but like when we're all laughing and smiling and joking and like kind of heckling each other I think that's when it's very approachable because it doesn't look like we're performing or it's very serious it just looks like those people are having a blast and I want to try that but it has to be skilled enough that it doesn't look not very cool or it has to be noticeable enough that people actually pay attention to it. Now, there's an element of freestyle that people always pay attention to because you've never seen anyone do anything like that. But I think, like, when we go on, like, big brush runs and, like, someone catches a big catch and, like, rolls out and then we're all, like, laughing and, like, clapping, that seems really attractive to people. And probably the perfect world is where we have the two jams. It's like, here's our, like get them in, jam. It's kind of like, here's the salesman. And then once you are once you look, it's like, oh, but let's take you out back to our, like, customer representative who will actually, like, fill out all the paperwork. So there's some element of that. Like, I actually was really glad it was probably the first time ever that we were jamming. And once people came up, you guys could keep jamming, and I would go teach the person how to play. And we could keep, like... We kept our, like... System flowing. Or, like, we kept our attracting out like <laughs> spitting out pheromones to try to bring people to us while we were still teaching so that was that was pretty cool but I think it'll be interesting to kind of experiment I and mean, it's going to be hard because it's going to be very like studies of one but like how do different ways of playing or different ways of approaching how we play change how interested people are but I thought we did a good day. I noticed a lot of dads were interested which <laughs> <laughs> obviously doesn't help us but there were a lot of dads and I wondered how many of them had encountered freestyle in their life. And we're kind of like thinking about that. Um, But I just thought dads were looking our way. Cool, was there anything else? I'm excited about Worlds, I guess that's really it. I
1: have a question for you. Okay. This is your last Worlds you're competing at. When is the first Worlds you're gonna go to when you're coaching someone else?
0: That's a great question. I mean, Daniel has given me the hard sell to come to Poland next year. I would love to go. Because I've only been to Poland once, but not in a freestyle context, so I'd love to do that. And I've never been to Sandslash, and that was all, like, exciting to me. So, like, it's not hard to imagine that I would be going anyways, and then, like, Will and Ray are playing, and I'm, like, coaching them. But... You're going to go just because of staffing. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely going kind to of be interesting. You can uh, judge
1: every round.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I like judging. I, w- I want to get rid of the stigma around judging. Judging is fun. I don't know why we're so down on it. It's fun to watch routines in an engaged way. But, uh, I think what would be most interesting is when we reach a point either through age or some other means where there's a bigger divide between us and the people we're teaching. So, like, there is obviously a divide between me and you and Will because, like, we're significantly older than Will and, like, we do, like, teach him how to play. But at the same time, like, most of my time with Will, I do the same things I would do with you like get ice cream we get ice cream we jam (laughs) we hang out like obviously we're all friends even though like we're different generations basically but i think one day it'll be interesting when like we're like 45 or 50 and like we've got some 18 year old duke students who like don't have any like familiar relationship with us it's purely how can we help you (laughs) succeed at duke and we'll see like i'm i've also been curious would it help or hurt if we were more like coaches at duke like right now we're like kind of mostly just enmeshed in the jam but we also do some teaching Mm -hmm. but what if it was that's our coach yep we just put on a whistle yeah (laughs) i don't know wait one actually one other thing i want to ask you about like today i think when we actually started having a lot more fun was when we got into a mode that's pretty common at duke which is we were kind of in like learning experimenting mode and everyone was kind of trying different things and i think that's a real sweet spot for a new jam community but it's not something that happens very much like i've never been to berlin and seen people experimenting and like learning in that way that's
1: kind of but that's like when you have a gas jammer you'd never go
0: into that mode it's like a waste of the just I think yes. so, but like you're a guest jammer, and we did that. I'm not really a guest here. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I'd be curious. We should ask some people from different jam communities if they feel like they have that. I'm trying to think what we were working on. We were like trying that thing where like it rolled over Brendan's back. We were trying all these like <laughs> double, like two person scarecrow <laughs> catches. We were kind of goofing off. And by the way, I think that is sort of appealing to people walking by too. Like even though it, you don't really know what to make of it because it's really odd. Like you could see that we were all really having a good time Mm -hmm. and we were trying stuff. So like it was approachable. It wasn't like a perfect art form, but I don't know. I think the biggest thing hindering me from going to more worlds is needing to save the free time that I do have for new freestylers, which is I think the direction I'm going in, but there is something I hate to even say it this way, but like all my freestyle heroes are gone. You know like they're all gone and it's devastating and we're like a middle generation there's not a lot of freestylers in our cohort our age whatever like there's a lot of people older than us who have kind of stopped playing and there's a lot thankfully of freestylers who are younger than us so i don't have a lot of peer inspiration and frankly like there aren't a lot of players like i'm super stoked to play with because and the way that i was before we're like I was like, I'm playing with Matt next week. And I'm just going to, like, gear up to, mm-hmm. like, I want to, sh- like, it sounds weird, but I, I'd be like, I want to show off to, like, my heroes. Like, I want to play so well and do all these cool things to, like, impress them. But, like, I don't feel that for anyone in freestyle except for, like, Edo. Like, I was fired up for the <laughs> Toronto Jams. So like, I'm playing with Edo, and, like, I'm going to bring all, like, my best cool moves, and, like, we're going to be in that zone or, like, two top freestylers like really pushing each other now there are other lots of amazing freestylers but like just for any number of reasons i don't feel that like there's people left for me to play with in that way so i might as well be playing with brand new players and like contributing to the sport in a more meaningful way Yep, if that makes sense i'm looking forward to it so much like if well, i'm not playing with matt what's the point it's <laughs> I, where i'm at right now i'm always just like this is underwhelming so let's make it productive I'm trying to give an analogy for that. It's kind of like if you're sick and you're like, I might as well work. Like, I'm going to be miserable either way. <laughs> like, might as well make it matter. I
1: was thinking more like when you're young, you want to impress your parents. And it's at some point...
0: You are your parents. Yeah, so you there's... are the parents. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about I don't know what that says about me psychologically, but I think I really like that. I mean, I benefited a lot from being a generation of three, basically. Like, I love that I was playing every day to impress the people at the meadow. I was like, I cannot wait. Like, they're going to be so psyched when I hit this move. But, like, that is, like, a one-direction thing. Like, I don't care if, whatever, like, some 16-year-old freestyler sees me hit a cool move. Like, that's what they're supposed to expect from me. And they don't know the difference between something new and something old. It's all the same to them. And also, like, no one respects their elders, really. (laughs) Right? Like, even though I had tons of, i probably the most respectful person towards the generation before me. Like, my mindset was still, like, I want to impress them with my stuff like that's like a human nature and freestyle nature thing but I'm under no illusion that it matters to impress whatever who pick your like top freestyler but at least we can spread the jam I don't know anything else I don't think so win or lose Ryan I'm gonna be fine I hope it's all gonna be fine I'm not worried (laughs) about it we're just gonna have fun and oh, I'm gonna be so relieved when this world is over. I wonder, I wonder what my emotions will be, we'll find out. All right, so I think that's it. We'll uh, have another worlds before this. One other note, rankings are out, check them out. There's only one tournament missing, Grand Canaria. There's a couple of Grand Canary Canaria tournaments missing because we're waiting for typed up results. But we added like 16 tournaments or something which is really cool that there were that many events, even though Roostall events seem to be a little bit on the decline. but they're happening. And so check those out. And then we'll have a new rankings after the worlds and we'll have a podcast after the worlds talking about what happened. And maybe we'll do another rewatch or something because people, whether they liked it or not, I don't know, but that was like one of our most listened to podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Anything else? Nope. Alright, well for everyone going to Worlds, good luck. If you're at home watching, cheer everybody on, hoping for a, a smooth tournament experience and hoping people just smash the routines and you know, hoping we have like a 2013 where like eight teams could have won it. Alright, and with that check us out at clockerconnor.com and we'll talk to you next time.